And good evening to you too. Good, glad you could join us. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you that we live in a country that we can gather together and worship you whenever we feel like it. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the freedom over the last 200 years to worship as we see fit. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessings as we go forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk about our sword. Is that up there? Yeah, nope. So our sword, and it's mentioned, first of all, in Ephesians 6, 17. We all know this one with the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But I'm going to concentrate on Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. And I'm going to do it in the Amplified, so it's going to be a little wordy, but it's going to be, I'm going to keep coming back to this too, because it's what really, Pastor talked about this on the Word on, on Sunday, and I was sitting there, I looked at Kathy, I said, he got my notes somehow. <laughs> but it turns out that the Holy Spirit was working, and he's giving us, almost everybody who gets up to speak is talking about the Word. And so, it says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word that God speaks, this is amplified, is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. That's a pretty good description of what a word can do for you. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is our soul, and the immortal, which is our spirit. And so when we look at what we have as, as soul and spirit and, and in our own thought processes as opposed to what our spirit says to what the soul, when we speak the word or the word is spoken to us and we allow it to become the sword that separates us from our soul. Sister Gladys talked about our unclean spotted garments. I told her afterwards, I got to go home and bleach my soul after you talk, you know. Because she was right. We let the world get in, get in, the, in the way of that. And so it says it, it's the immortal spirit and joints of marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. The deepest parts of where we are. Stuff sometimes we don't even know that God is going to affect. He's going to put with his word. Now listen to this. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. I'm going to go over that again. That's what the Word can do for us. It exposes, it's doing sifting, it's analyzing, and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. When we ask God, you know, when we go to pray, we say, Lord, I want you to judge me. I want you to, he'll do it. And he'll start showing you things that you didn't know you had. You said, okay, or things you should have that you haven't done yet. And so in Genesis in the very first chapter, it says on verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And God said, Let there be firmament. And God said, Let there be a vault. And God said, you see a pattern here? He spoke a word, and it happened. He spoke a word, and it was active, operative, energized, and effective. And finally, the very last one, 26, it says, 
Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And a lot of Christians don't stop to think, who is our? What's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? We have a trinity too. We have the soul, mind, and body, spirit, and now the Holy Spirit. He made us exactly in his image for a purpose that we're going to talk about. So fast forward to, I'm just going to stay in the New Testament tonight. <clears throat> in John 1, we all know that. We've heard that so many times. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When, so when we say we're speaking the Word, we're actually speaking God. It says the Word was God. So we're actually speaking what God said. We're speaking His Spirit. We're speaking that into existence, and it's active. It's operative. It's energizing. It's effective. We have to understand the power we have at our fingertips when we get ready to speak God's word. That wasn't what I was going to preach about. This is it. The importance of praying the word. Now, we know what the, how powerful the word is now, and that's why I wanted to bring that up. And that's why it's talked about being a sword. Sword is a weapon. And it's used for stabbing, slashing, cutting, penetrating. So in John 1.14, we know after in the beginning was the Word, it says the Word became flesh and made a dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God brought Himself to earth to show us what to do. You've probably heard me say it before at the men's group or at the, at the jail. The Gospels are really our training manual. The reason Jesus came and the reason those are recorded, he was training the disciples and they were writing it down so we could do it just like they did it. Training us, and those of us who have been in the military know that the training manuals that they have are, are infinite. They also have a training manual on how to write training manuals. It's crazy, but it's true. And it's, that's how important it is. You know why in the military it's that way? Because you better know what you're doing. You better have it down, and you better, because you get into a dangerous situation, you don't have time to go look it up. Let's see, that's in Ephesians, or that's in Philippians. Oh, man, where is that? Our training manual has to be something that we learn. That's what the Word is for. So in, I'm going to skip to Matthew 4. When, after Jesus was baptized... And it had been prophesied that John was going to go before him. But all that came to pass. And I'm, I'm skipping forward because we're mature Christians here. But look at Matthew 4. 4 says, Jesus answered what it is written. Who, he was in temptation 40, 40 days in the wilderness with, the, with, with Satan. And I'm going to go through this quick because we know the story. But he, wrote, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And so he was tempted again to uh, throw himself off the temple, right? What did he say? It is written. He's answering with the word, the sword. He's answering with what God gave him to say. And on the third one, he says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. With... That's one of the commandments. Satan went away. You know why? He had to. That was how powerful that word is. When we say it's operative, it's effective. When we use the word and we mean it and we believe what we're saying, that's what happens. And so in Matthew 6, 
he's talking about when we pray. He says, when you pray, and Pastor talked about this a little bit on Sunday too, don't be like the hypocrites that stand on the corner and they're going to pray in all the glorious prayers they can pray so everybody notices them. The, you know, a really flowery prayer and really articulate, and very, but there's no word of God in it. He doesn't hear it. When you say the word of God, it's like when your kids are playing and they're yelling at each other and one of them says, Dad, what? You hear, your, you hear someone says, Michael, what? Who said that? And we say, the word, God says, I'm listening. What are you talking about? Let's, let's hear it. Because now you're speaking his language. So that's the reason he sent Jesus to show us first the Gospels, how to be trained. Next, okay, when you're tempted, who's the first enemy we're going to run into as Christians? The enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the bright morning star. You know, that all of those things, not to mention the world with our fleshly lusts and all that. How are we going to overcome the temptations? He told us three ways to do it. It is written. It is written by God. It is written. I mean that literally. By God, it is written. And so when we use that power and we use that, that authority, and you don't have to scream it. Sometimes it helps. It makes you feel better. But you don't have to scream it. You just have to say it. Right? All you do is say it. And it happens. So when he says, go into your most private room, and closing the door, pray to your Father. Communicate. Go to, the, go to the Holy of Holies. Remember Pastor Roy preached a few weeks back about entering the Holy of Holies. How do we do that? I've been trying to do it every morning ever since. I want to be in the Holy of Holies. I want to hear God's voice. I don't want anything else to interrupt me. I want to hear what God has to say. Not just read it, not just hear it. And you can hear the word if you read it out loud. So you can see it, you can read it, and you can hear it. John three thirty four it says, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Remember who was baptized and, and they said he received the Holy Spirit? He received the Holy Spirit. All of it. So you can walk on this earth. In John 5, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged or crossed over from death to life. These are, these are things he's teaching his disciples so they can come teach somebody, so they can come teach somebody who eventually came and taught me. And I received Christ. That's how it works. That's how it works. We're supposed to go out and teach people what we learned, what God showed us, what, what Pastor Roy taught me on Saturday. Now I get to go preach it somewhere else. What his revelation was or what Pastor's revelation was. I get to go preach that somewhere else now and give someone else that revelation. That's what we're supposed to do. Not just go, that was a nice sermon. I think we're going to enjoy that. Let's go to Luby's. That's not what church is all about. This is where we're supposed to get our arrows into the quiver. This is where we're supposed to be able to speak the word and mean it. And you don't have to be ugly about it. 
sometimes the truth of God is, is painful enough. <laughs> you don't have to be painful with it. You can just tell people, here's what God says in his word. Well, I don't believe that. Well, let me show you right where it's at. That's, what, that's how we approach people. In 663, it says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Remember when he's talking to the lady at the well? And they're having this conversation. She said, if you, know, if you would just give me some of this water, it's the spirit of life. It would be ever, everlasting and flowing. And she said, oh, wow. Okay, give me some of that water. And the way he answered her was with a truth she didn't know was coming. Said, he said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. She says, you're right. You've been married five times, and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. She went, oh, my. I perceive thou art a prophet, you think? Yeah. And so she goes into the town, and she tells people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. They didn't know what he said. He said, go get your husband. Holy Spirit convicted her and showed her that's what the power of the Holy Living Word does. That's what the power of the Word spoken to someone full of the Holy Spirit convicts their spirit, convicts my spirit. I'm able to get a truth across to someone without having to explain it for 10 minutes. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the way the power should work? I, I love that. So, prayer. That's what this is all about. How do we pray it? Let me go to John 17, 16 through 21. This is where Jesus, he, he starts out praying for himself first in, in, in 17. But I've skipped down to where he's, in verse 6, he's praying for his disciples. He says, and listen to this. This is amplified again. I have manifested your name. I have revealed your very self, your real self, God's self. To the people whom you have given me out of the world. Now at last they know and understand that all you have given me belongs to you, is really and truly yours. The disciples heard it and saw it in action enough times. They saw people healed, they saw people raised from the dead. They're going, okay, this guy's the real deal. Just speaking those words made stuff happen. You can think about some of the things he said to the blind man, to Lazarus, to... He didn't just say, come on forth. He had to call him by name, otherwise everybody would have come out of the grave, right? He said, Lazarus, come forth. When the guy was laying on the mat, he could have very easily have helped him up and said, now go your way. He said, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy had to do something and walked away. And, the, and all the Pharisees are going... You know, here's this guy who's been laying there for 38 years by the fountain, and they're all, oh my God, look, he's carrying his mat on the Sabbath. They missed it completely. Completely. Here's a guy who's been lame and crippled for 38 years, and they missed the miracle. How dull a spirit do you have to be to miss that? Terrible. Terrible. So he says now in verse 7, now at last... They know and understand that all you have given me belongs to you is really truly yours. And number eight, for the uttered words that you gave me, again, words that created the earth, created us, the words that you gave me, I have given to them. 
Guess what we have, folks? We have those uttered words written in this book. I have given them. They have received and accepted them. They have come to know positively and in reality. Listen to this. To believe with absolute assurance that I came forth from your presence and they have believed and are convinced that you did send me. You know how many Pharisees did not believe or wish that it wasn't there because they were losing power? Here's my favorite part. Jesus prays for all the believers. Verse 20, Neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request. He prayed for you and me. You ever, you ever wondered, did God, would, I would love it if Jesus would just show up and pray for me personally. He did. And they wrote it down. And all you have to do is put your name there. Neither for these alone do I pray. I also pray for Michael West. Bill Johnson, Kathy West. But also for all those who ever came to believe, trust in, or cling to or rely on. This is why I like the Amplified, because it really tells you and puts it deep in your heart. What does that mean? Believe means trust in, cling to, and rely on. If I believe, you've heard preachers say, do you, do you believe what you say you believe? Well, when it comes down to are you going to use the right words, are you going to cry, worry, concern? Or are you going to use the words that God gave you? He gave us a whole book. He gave us a whole way of studying it. And it's time in this day and age that we start using it. We have to. We have such division in this country, Father. You have to give us the words to speak that, that, that heals people's hearts. Whoever they are. And we have that at our fingertips. We have the ability to, to when we talk, people are going to say, you're different. Where'd you get that love? Where'd you get that kindness? Where'd you get that peace? Or they're going to say, whoa, that's pretty heavy. I don't think I can take it. And so then we, we, we approach them and say, well, come to my church. Let me show you some people who love each other. Let me show you a church that's in unity. That's what we're going to do going in 2021. We're going to grow like this place has never seen. We've been praying it for two years. We prayed it Ezekiel 36, 36. We are going to grow like the flocks in Jerusalem at the time of the festival. That's huge. Everybody had 20 or 30 animals they were going to sacrifice. But think about that. Those animals that are brought for sacrifice were the best of the best, right? They, think they couldn't sacrifice the lame or the, or the blind. They had to bring in their best feedstock. That's who we're going to have coming, guys. We better get ready to welcome them, to teach them, to shepherd them, to mentor them. Because they're, they're not going to find what I'm talking about out there. Got to be in here. They got to hear it from us. Not me and him and him. Us have got to be able to speak this to the people. We've got to step up and do it. Matthew fourteen twenty three. Well, let me go back up to 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Jesus prayed that many times. 
so that the world may believe and be convinced you have sent me. That we are part of the Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Denominations for centuries have taught, well, we don't have the Holy Spirit. That went away. And that's not true. That enemy has convinced people that sometimes Christianity is probably just a cult. China has recently passed a law that you have to worship the state. You can't worship Jesus. You can't worship Christ. You have to worship the government. Or be fined and go to prison. We have brothers and sisters around the world, even in Nigeria, who are giving their life for being Christians. I'm not going to talk about the video, but he has a video that shows some gruesome things on it. And it's a young girl, and they've decided that she's going to be executed, and they, she walks over to the grave and sits down in it and praying, and she's executed in the name of Jesus. It's real, and it's happening in our world as we speak. We're so protected here. We're so, so happy here. We're so, so rich here that we don't understand the struggle that some people are going through. We talk about the Nigerian children's home. You know why we have to do that? The parents are so poor, they're selling their children on the open market. Not for what you think, it's for body parts. Isn't that horrible? We should be so horrified with that that we build 16 more houses just like we just built. We've got we to save the kids, as many as we can anyway. I don't want to stand before the holy living God and he said, why don't you do something about this? We're going to. We are. Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the multitudes, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And when it was evening, evening, he was still there alone. Alone. By himself. Luke 5, 16. But he himself withdrew in retirement to the wilderness, the desert, and prayed by himself. Luke six twelve. Now in those days it occurred that he went up into a mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. The whole night. Not 15 minutes on Friday. Not just an hour in the morning. Spent the whole night in prayer saying, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to say the next day? What, what, what am I going to face with the Pharisees? Help me out. Give me the words, the armor, the sword to use that I can speak the truth. And he did. How many times have we saw, it was, it's written, that they were getting ready to stone him or throw him over a cliff. And he would just turn and walk back through the crowd. God's grace wasn't his time yet. He had a special time planned for that. My favorite of all those, Luke 9, 28 through 29. Now, about eight days after those teachings, whatever they were doing before this, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And you've heard this many, many times. It's called the Transfiguration. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance became altered different and his raiment his clothing became dazzling white flashing with the brilliance of lightning and i have to believe that it happened every time he went by himself and prayed it didn't just happen for that one time okay that's the time they saw it and they wrote about it right 
I think when he went to pray and got in front of God, that's what happened. He entered the Holy of Holies. Right? And he talked to God directly. He said, okay, tell me what's coming. Tell me what i got to do. What's the rest of the plan that we have? And he told him the plan. Of course, that involved the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the Pentecost. And the Pentecost is so amazing because you think about Peter, I, and I just—he's one of my favorites because he's just a good old boy fisherman. You know, he was just—and he was—he was always asking the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. But on the day of Pentecost, and outpouring the Holy Spirit, and he got the word, the sword. He gives the most incredible sermon you've ever heard. Here's this uneducated fisherman who's now speaking what? The Holy Spirit. Speaking the words that God had for him. It convicted so many men. 3,000 people came to Christ that day. 3,000. We're happy when we get 30 at the jail. We celebrate that. Romans 10.8, and this is where Paul, and we know the story of Paul, I'm not going to go there, Paul and, and his, his conversion. Why was Paul picked? He's a very, very educated man in Camellio's, you know, Camellio University, to say it a better way. He was very, very high in the hierarchy. He had probably been in line to be in the priesthood, if not the high priest. His dad was a Jew. His mother was a Roman. He had dual citizenship. He didn't go anywhere in the world that he wanted to go. He had it made. He had a very wealthy family, too, by the way. And so when he's on the road to Damascus and he finally sees Jesus, hears the word, is armed with the sword, his life changed completely, didn't it? And so he gives us so many Many books. Almost the entire New Testament is written by, by Paul. Because Peter and James and, and Timothy write too. But those are the letters to Timothy from Paul. Right? Romans 10. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. And where? Yeah. It's in your heart. should be in your heart. That is the message confirming faith that we proclaim. We proclaim that. We have the message. We have the word in our heart. All we have to do is rely on it, that God is going to let that be expressed like it should be at the most appropriate time. In Romans 10, 17, consequently, and we know this one from by heart too, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. one of my favorites. You guys are got, uh, that attend the, the men's group are going to understand this one. Second Chronicles 7.14. My favorite scripture. If my people who are called by my name. Who's that? Who's called by our name? We're Christians, right? Christian means we're Christ-like. If my people who are called by my name shall get rid of the strip off the pride, humble themselves, Pray, seek, crave, and listen to this. This is the Amplified again. And require of necessity my face. 
you're requiring something from God when they get on their face, right? And you're using His words to approach Him. Like I said before, when we say His word, He goes, what? Who, who said that? Oh, that must have been Bill. What you mean, Bill? Now, we can, all the wonderful promises and all the things, that we, God, we love you, and we're, I've done this for the church, and I've done this for the church, and you know what that is? Blah, 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 blah. Right, and all these you say, my God, my God, what? You call me what? Call him by name. When you preach his word, you call him by name. Require my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. This what, look what David wrote in Psalm 34, 4. I sought, inquired of the Lord, and required him of necessity, and on the authority of his word. This is the Amplified again. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Suppose you're in a situation where you need to pray. You just pray Psalm 34.4. That's God's word. He's going to hear it. He's going to say, Surely, what would you say? He's going to hear what you just said that he said. That's the reason he gave them to David. The best prayers we can make back to God are the ones he's already given us. All the Psalms. Every one of them has something for us. Read them. Understand them. Pray them back to God. You'll get the answer you're looking for every time. Psalm 33, 8-14. Behold, the Lord's eye is upon those who fear him which means to revere and worship him with awe. That's what that fear means, that reverence. Who wait for him and hope in his mercy and loving kindness to deliver them from death and keep them alive. Behold, the Lord's eye is upon us. When we're praying Psalm 33, he's looking. What do you want? What are you saying? Now I can say, Lord, I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I'm sick. Kids are sick. Wait, Lord, it says in your word that your eye is upon those who reverence you. What? What did you say my name? See the difference? See the difference? So many times I've said, I've preached it too, we're, we're on our face yelling out to God, everything, I have sickness, I don't have money, I don't have this, and we can, I got this vision. He stands with his arms crossed going, get to the promises, come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what he wants to say, not all the... Yes, I already know all that stuff. I see what's going on. How about the stuff that you want to happen that's written in my book? Say that. Psalm 33, 20. Our inner selves wait earnestly for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. I pray that. You know, just in, in, in say, my inner self waits for you, Lord. You are my hope and my help and my shield. For in him does our heart rejoice, because we have trusted, relied, and been confident in his holy name. Now, you don't have to do all this in the Amplified, New King James, the Century, the NIV. Pick pick one that you can remember. Make it real. Make it straight to, to his ears through the Holy of Holies. Now you're in the Holy of Holies. That's what Pastor Roy was talking about. When you're praying his word back to him. Now we're in the Holy of Holies. Now we're going to hear. Now we're going to see. Now we're going to feel. And we're going to walk out of that prayer session going, okay, I understand. I got it. 
Psalm 33, 18 through 22, I love this too. Let all the earth fear the Lord, revere and worship him. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Verse 9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to naught. Verse 14, from his dwelling place, he looks intently upon all the inhabitants of the earth. From his dwelling place, he's watching, he's waiting, he's listening. He's, what do, what do I need? I'm going to go pray all night like Jesus did? Probably not. Wish I could. Hard enough to pray in tongues for an hour, isn't it? 15 minutes for some people. Not even that for some. But we have to practice that. That's not something that falls out of heaven and sticks to you. You've got to practice our preaching. We've got to practice our word. We've got to practice what we say and how we say it and who we say it to. In 1 Corinthians... Oh, wait, let me back up. I love this one. Romans 8, 22 through 26. I'm going to go quickly with this. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Why? Why? Because it's, it's in, uh, it's, it's, it's been cursed from the very beginning. God cursed all creation and is groaning and labors until now, waiting for us to become the first fruits of the Spirit, to take dominion over the earth again. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what's supposed to happen. But the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Speaking in tongues. Now, and that's the Holy Spirit says, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. When Jesus is standing beside Lazarus' grave and he sees him weeping, it hurts his heart. Verse 33 there, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw their weeping and the Jews who came with, him, with, came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Sounds to me like he spoke in tongues. Didn't know what to say or do. He said, where have you laid him? And then he raised him from the dead. He, he had to use the spiritual language to get back to God because he's in the midst of all these people. That's how we're supposed to use it. Not be ashamed of it. Not walk, you know, cover our way. Speak it out. Speak it out. First Corinthians fourteen. You guys all know this. If I if I we speak in an unknown tongue, by the Spirit, my mind is unproductive, but my but it bears no fruit. But my spirit is. It really does. And I love the, the admonition. Never in Romans 12, 11 through seventeen, the Amplified Classic Edition says. Verse 11, never, this is instructions from the Holy Spirit to us. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoice, verse 12, rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient and suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer means continually praying. Praying all the time. Contribute to the needs of God's people. Sharing in the necessities of the saints, pursue the practice of hospitality. Philippians 4. We've heard this one already tonight and on Sunday. 
And I'd already written it, so I'm going to say it again anyway. But li- listen to this. This is, this is like the, it's almost as good as 2 Chronicles 7.14 for me. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Easy to say. Isn't it? Easy to say. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer and supplication, and with his word in prayer back to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What did Jesus say? He says, peace I leave you. Not peace the world gives you. My peace I'm leaving you. The same peace when, when the, the wind was kicking up. He said, peace. And it, and it went away. When, he, when, he, when they walked into the garden, they said, we're here to get Jesus. And Nazareth said, I am he. I am. They all fell backwards. Just the words he spoke were so powerful. I am. Boom, they fell backwards. He's going, whoa. They took him anyway. They said, come on, guys, I'm supposed to go with you. <laughs> this is the plan. I'm supposed to go with you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We go back to the sword. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the, the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit. And of joints and marrow, of the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. If we're thinking wrong, it'll judge it and tell us, no, don't do that. If we're thinking correctly, it'll say, go, go do it. And pray. Father God, we just thank you that what Paul prayed over the Ephesians, we continue to pray that right now, that we would have an enlightened heart that the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation would be on every person in this room, everybody who's listening out there that we would come to know the hope of the glorious power that we have at our fingertips, that power that raised Christ from the dead belongs to us. And we receive that tonight. These are your words, God, and we, we tell you we receive that tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen.